DiscerningHearts.com presents Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He has formerly served as the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He's the author of numerous books, including Heart of the Diaconate, Remain in Me, Spousal Prayer, and Listening for Truth. He has given more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats. Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. As we're exploring Christian prayer found in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, in particular the section Part 4, Chapter 2, which teaches us the tradition of prayer, paragraph 2652 gives us a very interesting statement. Indeed, in the Christian life, there are several wellsprings where Christ awaits to enable us to drink of the Holy Spirit. Several places, huh? The, the wellspring, the main wellspring, of course, is, is the Spirit himself that dwells in us from baptism. The Spirit is the one that inspires prayer. And it's very simple as you're, you're at work, you're driving in the car, you're at home, you're sitting in your living room or somewhere, and you just get this feeling in your heart that you want to stop and acknowledge God. Don't suppress that feeling. Don't suppress that urge, that invitation. With each urge suppressed to pray, it is harder and harder for us to become prayer. In other words, when we dam up the well by our no, no, not now, Lord, I'm busy, or I don't feel like praying right now, or ignoring the bubbling up of the invitation, with each of those no's, we really begin to take on the scriptural version of the hard heart. We literally create a hard heart in us. Now, in order to not have a hardened heart, we do have to become more and more aware of the interior movements of our heart. They're very subtle. Once again, this is why we need a teacher of prayer. The movements are very subtle. The interior movement of Christ inviting you to prayer could be as simple as you gazing out the back door of your house and seeing a leaf fall, and you begin to marvel at the changing seasons. And then he begins to lead you into a meditation on creation. Now this whole uh, image happens in a flash, in, the inst- in an instant of the mind. And such an invitation is so subtle that we can easily turn away from it quickly, go right back to washing the dishes or or sweeping the floor or whatever we were doing. So the first thing we have to learn from our teachers of prayer is the, the subtle interior movements that signal the Holy Spirit has arrived, so to speak, with an invitation to come aside for a while and rest. And again, this a while could be as simple as a minute or two. But these are minutes or two that are gathering momentum and force throughout a 24-hour day. 
and then a seven-day week, and then a 30-day month. So it's not, uh, it, it, it's not a little thing that you're saying yes to a minute or two with the Lord as you're sweeping or looking out the window of your home. So the Holy Spirit is the wellspring of prayer, and the wellspring is in your heart, and we have to learn the subtle movements of that uh, interior life. The other wellspring that begins to move our hearts toward God, of course, is the Word of God. And the Word of God in the Scripture becomes the place that we begin to imagine when we want to encounter Christ. You might actually get to a point where you look forward to opening the Word of God, that you have the Word of God close at hand, that you steal a minute or two away from a busy day at home or work, and you just have the Word with you, and you open it. And the Word consoles and challenges and heals you as you read it. And then you begin to have a memory that the Word is the place that I meet Jesus. And with that memory, you're fired up again the next day. Yesterday, I had an encounter with Christ at the Word. I'm going to go back to the Word again today. The memory then serves as a pointer to the wellspring of prayer. And so you want to become familiar and you want to delight in the reading of the Word of God. As, the, as it says in the Catechism, seek in reading and you will find in meditating. Knock in mental prayer and it will be open to you by contemplation. So you want to seek in reading, that's Lexio Divina traditionally, which simply means that you want the Word of God to approach you as a living being. You don't want to approach the Word of God as a, a textbook. You want to let the Word approach you as a living being. Lord, I'm opening your Word. Lord, feed me with your life. You want this to be an encounter. If you were trained in scriptural studies, to some extent you almost have to uh, mute what you, train, you were trained in. Because a lot of times we stumble over the historical critical method of Scripture. And we begin to be uh, taken up with the sidelines of Scripture. You know, what's a Pharisee? What's a Sadducee? Uh, did, uh, did this event really occur? Is this really the words of Jesus? Uh, uh, was this really from Paul? Was this a writing from somebody else? These things can be helpful in academic context. But if these ideas from an academic training of Scripture crowd your mind when you read, looking for the Lord, you may miss the forest for the trees. You can see this, unfortunately, in some homiletics, that a lot of times we'll get deacons and priests and retreat masters who are so deeply trained in the historical critical method that all they do is teach us to approach the word critically, to approach the word uh, looking for uh, what the intention of the author really was, what the real historical moment was, what the real culture of Jesus' time was. Okay, that's very nice. Those are nice ideas. But when we approach the Word as a wellspring, we want the Word to approach us as living. This becomes the most powerful disposition for becoming one who prays. It's almost as if you have to have that second naivete where you have to be born again, where you have to become like a little child. And you have to let Jesus speak to you in the simplest of ways from Scripture. Imagine He's speaking to you. 
that the Word of God becomes personal, which it is, particular, which it is. Of course, it's communal and historical. But no one's ever been converted by an academic study of Scripture. People are converted when the Word approaches them as living. And so, very gently approach the Scripture with an expectation that today, when I read this Word, a life will pass between me and this text. And this life is the life of God. It's not information. It's not critique. Between me and this text, a life will pass. It's the life of God. I want to receive the life that comes from the wellspring of the Word. In paragraph 2655, the Catechism also offers as a wellspring the liturgy of the Church. And personally, Deacon Keating, one of the strongest statements that I've read in the Catechism, it affected me personally, a paradigm of thinking about the liturgy, is where it speaks of the spiritual writers sometimes compare the heart to an altar. The altar image for the heart. This is the heart, of course, in Scripture, is the place of decision-making. The the modern word for the scriptural word for heart is conscience. We want the liturgy, we want the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus to be the birthplace for a heart that makes decisions with the mind of Christ. We want the liturgy to be the birthplace for the heart, a heart that makes decisions out of the mind of Christ. This is the regenerative power of the liturgy, the power so great that we can enter as American citizens affected by a culture of distraction. And over the years of worshiping at this wellspring of the liturgy, we will be transformed into saints. This is a dynamic, living place, the liturgy. It is a dynamic, living relationship where heaven itself is opened and pours forth the mystery of God's unselfish love to our receptacles, the heart, the conscience. And we want to yield all formation. We want to give priority to all of our conscience formation, all the formation of our heart. We want to give priority to the liturgy. Because in the liturgy is all truth and all reality. And so this becomes the gathering, the place, the relationship that my heart then is formed and simultaneously offered through Christ in the Spirit to the Father. I surrender my heart at the Mass. I surrender my interiority. I surrender who I am to the Father through Christ in the Spirit. And in other words, what we're doing there is we are replicating the crucifixion. We are sharing in the crucifixion. Our surrender is taken up into the surrender of Jesus and the Father receives us in Jesus 
And in being received in Jesus, we are transformed in Jesus. And in being transformed in Jesus, we are made holy. And a heart that is made holy is a pure wellspring of prayer. So that soon every breath you take is a breathing in of the living God. And every breath you exhale is a breathing out of the living God. So that so much so that you cannot even remember a time when you didn't pray and when you didn't love prayer. Because you are simply becoming that which you have loved. You are becoming the self-offering of Jesus upon the cross. You are becoming a surrender to the Father. Jesus is living all of those mysteries over again in you. And this is your heart's delight. Your heart has become an altar. Your heart has become the place of oblation, of self-offering to the Father in the power of Jesus. And all of this occurs at the Mass. We'll return in just a moment to Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. 
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Communion with Christ. Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. It's not enough then for us just to show up to the Mass, to physically show up and say, I'm here, I'm fulfilling an obligation. We have to show up, don't we, in that attitude of prayer that my heart is now open to everything that's about to occur. Without that disposition, the Mass just passes as a blur, It may also just become another arena for gossip. The priest homily wasn't good today. The altar servers were inept. Mrs. Smith, I see, showed up with a new boyfriend today. Without the disposition of prayer, the Mass just becomes 45 minutes of, of another distraction. It is a sacrilege to enter the Mass without the disposition of prayer. We have a new priest at our parish, and he begged the parish, he begged the parish, when you come to Mass, come early. Come early and be in silence with the Lord to prepare for the transformation that he wants to wrought in you. He wants to work this transformation in you, but you have to be available to him we can do it. And the way we make ourselves available is to enter into a disposition of prayer before the Mass begins. Now, of course, the Mass has been politicized, and so silence was always a, the enemy because that meant you were against community. And the, it was perfect, diabolical uh, genius to juxtaposition community with silence, to hold them in contradiction. And so those who loved the silence of disposing themselves to receive the Lord, were seen as enemies of community. And yet those who fostered community themselves were bereft about the meaning of the Mass. Is it just a gathering of friends in the Lord? Is there nothing transcendent? Is there nothing sacred? And so we had this struggle for the last 40 years. Hopefully now that we have consciousness of the last 40 years, plus a new uh, urge, a new thirst for contemplation, we can now see that it's both end and not either or. That if I'm not disposed to receive the Lord, and if I, my heart is not open to receive the power of this transformation, well then how am I ever going to receive the other as other in community? I'll just simply continue to see my brothers and sisters as an extension of my ego. Without prayer, community can't happen. There is no community without prayer 
because I, then I just use my brothers and sisters as extensions of my ego. And we have slap-on-the-back fellowship, but we have no communion with each other. And so we dispose ourselves in silence to receive the other who is God. This virtue of silence, this virtue of disposing ourselves to prayer, also works to receive another human being more deeply as well. So the disposition of silence both facilitates union with God and union with the community. There's no contradiction here. The more silent our masses become, the more we will love our brother and sister because we will be tutored in a way of receiving the other rather than simply uh, wanting to show off or, or wanting to continue office politics in the parish or continue in a, an inflated approach to my ego and the friends that I have. That's hardly Christian community. Silence and community are mutually interpenetrating realities that when both are reverenced, we get an authentic parish. Allowing your heart to be open during the liturgy of the church, in particular during the liturgy of the Eucharist, can in some people's lives be a dangerous thing because you will be taken on a roller coaster ride if you truly, at the very beginning, all the way through to the end, allow yourself to be led by Christ in those prayers and our thanksgiving that's being offered. The being led by Christ is the key to all prayer. Being led by Christ, not leading him somewhere. That's where the that's where the disposition of silence and the emptying out of the ego occurs in the beginning. We offer this ego, we offer our soul to Christ so that he can take it somewhere. Lord, take me. Lord, I surrender. Uh, we, we're sick of ourselves. Our egos are so puny. Our lives are so small. We fill ourselves with such senseless, useless worry day in and day out that we become sick of our puny lives. Why wouldn't we want to be led by Jesus? Only sin and pathology keeps us from wanting to get rid of this overburdening ego. Lord, save me from myself. Take me into this incredible truth that you came to share with us. I live only when I give myself away. I live only when I give myself away. And we can only do that, that mystery in you. So please lead me into the power and the truth that I live only when I give myself away. And so, yes, we are taken on a roller coaster. The roller coaster, though, is the, called the adventure of life. And the adventure of life is thrilling beyond all words. Once we come to realize sensibly, clearly, that life is only exciting when we live it in goodness, virtue, and holiness. And life is stiflingly boring when we live it out of the ego and in sin. Christ wants to take us on the adventure of life, which is to move us ever more deeply into a participation of Trinitarian life. And Trinitarian life is simply the, the self the person of the persons of the Trinity pouring themselves out one 
to the other, one for the other in love. And we want to get in on that. There was a beautiful image of prayer that was given to me one day uh, as a result of the experience that many couples share in their own house when they dance together. Perhaps my wife and I would call it kitchen dancing. You put the word, put the music on, and you start dancing together in the kitchen. And of course, when you have kids in the house, they, they see mom and dad dancing, and they want to get in on it. And of course, this may be a time where you don't want the kids in on it, you just want to be together dancing, but they're persistent. And one of the things we find out as parents is that when the kids bug us to enter the dance, they don't split us up. They just want to join the dance that we're having together. They hang on our knees, they pull on our legs, they hang on our waists, but they're not breaking us up. They just want to participate in the dance that their mother and father are already involved in. And this analogically is what Jesus is doing. He wants to lead us into this sacred dance, which is the Trinity. We don't want to break up the dance. Obviously, that would be moronic. We want to enter it because in the dance is all life, is all happiness. In the dance is the prayer that we're looking for. In God, in God's self-giving, in the persons of the Trinity, sharing themselves with each other, is prayer, is life. That's where we're heading. That's where Christ is taking us in the Mass. Mm, That's beautiful. We're out of time. Deacon James Keating, thank you so much for teaching this this important truth about the Church's teachings on Christian prayer. Could you bestow a blessing upon us? Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice in the fact that you have given us the Holy Spirit, your Spirit, the Spirit that leads us back, back to the ground of all being, the love of the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father. Bear us on your Spirit. Help us to participate in the love that you have for us and the love that is God himself. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating.